Hello and welcome to Bellhaven Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Weber. On today's episode, we'll be listening to PSY 352, Social Psychology with Professor Nathan Smith. I hope you listen and enjoy. Hello and welcome back to Social Psychology, Psy 352 at Bellhaven University. I'm your lecturer, Nathan Smith. I'm coming to you from my office in Beverly, Massachusetts. We're speaking today about interpersonal attractions and relationships. And also, it is the final lecture, lecture number eight, and I'd just like to say uh, it has been such a pleasure to be able to give these lectures, and uh, I hope you have been able to uh, learn a lot from them. So let's get started. Unit objectives. Today we're speaking about physical proximity, similarity, attractiveness, relationships, and reciprocity. And these are all different aspects of interpersonal attractions and relationships. Uh, And uh, as always, a reminder, um, please go and read the chapter before looking through the lecture, as um, my assumptions when giving the lecture are that you will have already done the reading, which means I'm going to skip over little bits that are less important to focus on things that require more attention. And um, this uh, this really only works if you have already done all of the reading um, and then can follow along as we go through. So, um, as I mentioned, physical proximity, similarity, and attractiveness, and these three things broadly um, are uh, are reasons uh, or um, I guess reasons for interpersonal attractions or things that have been tested repeatedly uh, involved with physical um, uh, with it, with attractiveness not just um, attractiveness as it relates to relationships but uh, relationships I suppose uh, dating relationships marriage relationships with the romantic type as we think about. Um, so all of this might apply to romantic relationships, but it also applies to uh, friendly relationships, um, long-term friendships. And um, in many ways, your long-term friendships uh, are uh, very, very important uh, to your life, uh, not just, uh, I mean, your marriages obviously are important to your life as well, but long-term friendships uh, can be just as important. So we're going to start with Biblical Foundations, as we always do. We are in my favorite Gospel, Luke, today. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. But love your enemies, and do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Luke six thirty two and 35, the word of the Lord. So, a little bit of background for what we're doing today. Uh, the relevance of relationships and interpersonal attraction. Interpersonal relationships are relevant uh, for a variety of reasons, but uh, specifically they can apply to uh, our sense of personal identity. Uh, and this is again, you know, we like to talk about, um, especially uh, when we're talking about social psychological phenomenon, often it's easy to think about um, 
the different concepts as they relate to uh, growing up. You know, uh, it's it's easier to think about um, biases or heuristics when it comes to a junior higher or a high school student or um, even a young college student. Uh, these can be uh, uh, times when it's really easy to see these sort of group processes and individual processes. Uh, and as we get older, um, in many cases we do a better job of hiding these processes or, or we have less obvious examples. Um, but this sense of personal identity uh, when you think of interpersonal relationships um, defining personal identity, this is something, to me, it goes right back to junior high. I don't know about everyone else. Um, at least in the junior high that uh, I went to in uh, Reading, Massachusetts, um, there people were defined heavily by the people that they hung out with, and, and in broad general terms, uh, most of the people define themselves by the type of music they listen to. So you had um, kind of like the classic rock type of folks, you had rap and hip-hop type of folks, you had kind of like indie, grunge, whatever that was type of folks, um, and then you kind of had hard rock, heavy metal, uh, etc. type of folks. Where I grew up there wasn't a lot of country music. Um, there is a lot of country music around New England, but um, not where I grew up. Um, so really, if you think about it, in those sort of four broad categories, and, and really two of them are variants on rock, and then there's kind of rapid hip-hop, and then there's kind of indie alternative stuff. And uh, what was interesting about these, these uh, groupings of people were that um, the groupings didn't just extend, they really sort of started from music, but they extended into style, um, you know, clothing style. Um, so, you know, the, the kids who listen to grungy type music, indie, whatever, you know, you think of like knit caps and uh, um, uh, kind of like, you know, shirts with stripes kind of tied around the waist or, or, you know, big, heavy, baggy type, you know, the grunge style. And then, you know, the, the metal kids was always like black t-shirt, usually black band t-shirt, black jeans, you know, the belt with the spikes all around it, right? So, um, there are these different sort of stereotypical ways of dressing and stereotypical ways of um, acting, and they all came from this particular type of music that uh, a group would identify with. So when you think about personal identity, um, the, the identities came from uh, these, these musical genres, but really it was about the people you hung out with, you know. If you hung out with, uh, you know, you hung out with the hard rock kids, the metalheads, you were a metalhead, and that was your defining um, example, you know, the, the example that defined you, uh, the group that defined you. So, um, so keep, keep that in mind, and of course, it gets more complicated as you get older, but um, it is still uh, there. It's just slightly more difficult to see, and the examples uh, are less obvious. So other things interpersonal relationships are relevant to our understanding of the meaning and purpose of life. Um, this is something that, as you change the people you surround yourself with, your understanding of the meaning and purpose of life can change dramatically. 
So I found in going to a Christian college, uh, most of the people in my life uh, who I saw on a day-to-day -day basis, their goal was to do some thing, some job, or some, um, some life um, experience that helped people. That was kind of the standard at the college I went to and the group that I hung around with. But since leaving there, uh, now in the in working in the business world, in the nonprofit world, people kind of, in, you know, working at a nonprofit, most people you meet are trying to to do um, good things, and that's why they work at a nonprofit. But generally, more generally, um, they're just trying to get by. They're just sort of trying to get through their life. You know, you go paycheck to paycheck and season to season and life event to life event. But the kind of overall um, purpose, as far as higher purpose, is gone amongst many of the people that I work with on a day-to-day -day basis. They're not necessarily Christians, they're just folks working at a nonprofit. Um, and as that, uh, as those relationships have changed in my life, I find it, it's easier, it's more natural to just get in the same headspace as the people around me. You know, just going, you know, two weeks at a time, you get paid, you do your job, you pay your bills, you move on with your life. But, um, uh, and as, uh, and I notice this when I get to church because it, you know, uh, on Sundays you get to church and you go like, oh yeah, I spent this whole week, you know, just thinking about my day-to-day -day life. I didn't think about my higher purpose. I didn't think about, um, you know, the goals, uh, of, of Christian existence as much as I should have, um, because the people around me weren't thinking or talking about that. So interpersonal relationships are also relevant to how we perceive others and how we choose with whom to interact. And, um, you know, these two things, of course, are related. Um, so your perception of others will also affect uh, how you choose the people with whom you're going to interact. Um, and we'll take it back again to, uh, we'll take it back to my junior high school with the four different uh, musical genre groups of students um, and people would actually say it's it sounds like it's out of a movie but people would actually say like oh oh you're friends with that guy oh that dude's a metalhead you know you can't hang out with him you know we're you know that's not our scene that's not like what we do um, and it wasn't you know the the social group didn't really strictly inform enforce you know nobody was allowed to hang out with anybody else really there was a, a lot of overlap but there was at least at least there was always the thought of um uh how we perceive you know how you perce perceived each of the different groups would affect who you chose to interact with so oh that guy's a metalhead he's like this therefore you know be careful if you're going to plan to interact with him um, yeah, so those those two um, those two things can be interrelated, and you can take it into an adult world, um, an adult world as well. You know what you know about other folks changes how whether you choose to interact with them or not. So if the only thing you know about somebody is something you don't like, you know you may not uh, you may not choose to interact with that person. Um, but really, it's just um, that perception of others affects uh, the, the interaction, the, the choice of interaction. Uh, and at the bottom here, ultimately, basically any social process is, is um, 
is affected by interpersonal relationships. There's almost nothing you can come up with that we have talked about that isn't going to be uh, somehow changed by the interpersonal relationships that surround the individual. Um, you know, if you think about cognitive biases that people have, um, the bias changes by how aware the group you are with is of the bias. So for example, um, when you're in a social psychology class and somebody uh, says something that shows some type of cognitive bias, you might have everybody in the room go, gosh, I think that guy just did something related to the anchoring effect. Um, but, you know, outside of the social psych class, you might not have anybody have any idea what the anchoring effect is and may just go on with their lives. So, um, a social psych class is actually a, a kind of a weird place to talk about um, social psych phenomenon, but because it's very different than the rest of the world. Um, but it is a good place to, to do the learning and then take those skills out into the greater world.